So what's been new in your world? Have you been playing with any cool new technology or anything? I got a new Xbox controller because uh, the other one was falling apart. And uh, I'll send you, we can send a, a picture of it. It's pretty cool. It's got uh, green sticks. I think I sent you a picture of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you did. And uh, it's all gray. It's pretty cool. I got that and I got um, at the antique mall, I got a headphone splitter. Well, preamp splitter. So there's four um, headphone outs that I can use now. Except for one of them is, I think, broken. I have to open it up and see, but I'm only getting the left channel out of it. It's supposed to be stereo. But I'm using it right now, actually. Sounds pretty good. But it... I got it in an antique mall of all places. Hmm. There's nothing like going to an antique mall to find your next piece of technology. Yeah. Uh, You never know what's there. It changes all the time. Well, I haven't really been using any new hardware of any sort. Um, In fact, I've really been thinking about it lately, and I'm really so satisfied with the iPhone 10 and all the other equipment that I'm using right now that I don't really see myself making any changes this year. Really? Yeah. I I think that, uh, the current MacBook pro that I have, which is a, which is a mid 2015. Um, I think for my purposes, I don't really need that much more power, but it's pretty, um, it's pretty good, so I don't think I need to swap anything out this year. Um, and I, I, I never really thought I would be somebody who would keep an iPhone for more than one year. But yeah, me neither. Yeah, but the iPhone 10 is really—it's kind of like, you know, after we're we're what eight months in, nine months in. Yeah, I f- I feel like it's rock solid, and they got a lot of the complaints that I had out of the way. So. I'm really still liking the display and the camera um, and the overall design is great. I I just don't really see a need to get a new phone this year. I don't know. How are you feeling on that front? I'm in the same boat, but uh, this is only my second iPhone. So I'm not not as far into it, Um, you know, as far as uh, my history with the iPhone, but I, I don't feel like I need another update to it, you know? It feels it still feels new after yeah, however many months. Yeah, you know, I, I've been trying to think about what would they add, right? That would really um, make me want a new phone. And I was like, oh, what about 4K at 60 frames per second? Then I was like, oh, no, it already has that. And uh, my next thought was, Oh, well, what about Bluetooth 5? Because I'd like to maybe do some like dual speaker stuff. Yeah. And that's like, no, they already have that. Otherwise, AirPlay 2 wouldn't work. So I can't really think of anything. And I, I don't know if it's just a lack of imagination or what. But as somebody who always wants the latest iPhone, I find myself really satisfied. And, and that's... I think that's a good thing. So yeah, satisfaction is hard to come by, especially when uh, you're talking about technology because things change from year to year. 
it's not a lot of time to uh, get used to something and then have to get a new version of it, you know? Yeah. Is there anything that you can think of that you would like to see changed on the iPhone 10? Hmm. I, I mean, if they can figure out a way to put all the information that's in the notch under the screen somehow, I think that would be the only thing. It doesn't bother me right now, but that would be the only, the only thing. Everything else about it is great. Well, what if they came out with a bigger version? How would you feel about a bigger version of the of the iPhone 10? I wouldn't. I would not get it <laughs> because I. Yeah, you, the reason why I got one of the main reasons why I I wanted to upgrade to the 10 is because my my plus was uh, a little bit. It was a little bit too big. I didn't uh, mind it at first, but after a while, um, it just didn't feel natural. Yeah, it always felt a little large to me as well. The screen isn't that much bigger than the 10, but the body it seems like it's, you know, three quarters of the size. Yeah, I feel like that was the most significant gain um, in this generation. It's just the fact that they were able to get that screen to body ratio. Um so much closer to being all screen and I don't think they got it all the way, but it's close enough that I don't really have any complaints. Um, which also brings me to another, another question. What do you think they're going to call this next phone? Hmm. Uh, I really don't know. Is it going to be iPhone 11? That kind of seems, sounds kind of lame. Yeah, 11 seems really weird, especially with the OS version being 12, you know? Right, yeah. And also, what are they what are they going to call the iPhone 8? I mean, are they going to call it iPhone 9? If they you think they're going to still make a updated version to those? Yeah, I think that they will. I mean, I don't know that they'll look I don't know that they'll have home buttons, that there, but there's going to be definitely a next version of that phone. So I've heard some rumors that they're thinking about doing an LCD screen, kind of in the body style and shape of the iPhone 10, but um, kind of bringing some of those features like Face ID down market a little bit. Gotcha. So I kind of think that the iPhone 10 is like the high-end premium version of the device that Apple thinks that they want to make. And then the next year, they kind of do things like, well, let's, instead of doing a stainless steel bezel, let's do an aluminum bezel, right? How can we make this slightly cheaper? And so they build on it the next year, and that really they're like, how can we get to 98 or 95% of this high-end version and bring some of those features down market? So speaking of iOS 12, I've been using it quite a bit. Have you installed it on your on on your phone yet? Um, I have not yet. Uh, I was reading some issues that I, I'm assuming that you you have not encountered, but I I use my GPS a lot. So uh, and there was a apparently a, a bug that kind of killed your GPS c- capabilities, and I didn't I didn't really want to like chance it. I guess. Yeah, you know, I had heard that. Um, and I use my GPS. I did a little bit of driving, uh, in the past couple weeks and I didn't run into any issues. 
at all. Like I haven't had. Yeah. And you know, on previous betas, I had a lot of springboard crashes and just like app crashes and things. But honestly, I can't remember. I can't think of any crash that I've had on my phone at all, which is pretty impressive. Um, If anything, I feel like the battery life is better. I think that Apple was serious when they said that they that iOS 12 was really an optimization update. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were able to do a lot more with the silicon and um, kind of optimize the software to take advantage of it in a way that I don't think that they have in previous versions. I think the coolest thing, though, is Siri shortcuts. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. So every time you perform an action on iOS 12, when you go into the Siri part of the settings, there's usually like a suggestion in there. And also when you um, pull down Spotlight, underneath your suggested apps, there are suggested shortcuts that you can make. That's cool. So a couple ways I've been using it is I can say, hey, trigger word check stats and what that does is that goes into our cms and takes me to it essentially launches safari and logs into our cms and then i can see the stats for our podcast oh wow which is really cool and then another one is is uh whenever i i need to get a haircut i can say the trigger phrase and just say i need a haircut and what it does is it launches the website to check in for a haircut or to schedule an appointment. Yeah, I feel like the AI is is starting to make a a bigger leap. I mean, we saw with the Google presentation with their own, I mean, that sounded kind of unreal. So um, seeing Siri being updated like this only makes more sense, I think, as time goes on. Yeah, and I think what's really unique about the way that Apple is approaching it is... I feel like they're not making a lot of assumptions about what you want out of your digital assistant. So it's not like there's a lot of pre-made skills, right? I think there's a lot of really smart on-device guessing about what you want to do or how you want to interact with your device. And then it provides a framework for you to create that shortcut on your own. So that the net effect is that the shortcuts that I have or that you have or anybody else has are unique to our use case. And I think that's a really smart approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to approach it. Instead of having a blanket way to do it, everyone has their own experience. Yes. And then I think we, I think we spoke about a a little bit on our last podcast about the, um, about the shortcuts app. Yeah. And, um, or it probably wasn't the last podcast, but it was the one before that. So Apple is running a beta of the shortcut of the shortcuts app now, and essentially what that is is it's a repurposed version of um, the workflow application which they purchased a couple of years ago, and instead of it's from what I've heard, I don't actually have access to it yet, but it seems like it has all the existing workflows that you could build out in there and all the plugins to, you know, 
create uh, JavaScript actions and ping FTP servers and just, you know, also tell you the nearest coffee shop. Yeah. And it's also laid on top of that all these sh- series shortcuts as well. So I'm really excited for that. I think there's just a ton of possibility for um, training Siri. And, oh, and the other cool thing about the shortcuts that you're already able to set up, those sync across your device. So you can oh, wow, nice. say them in, yeah, so that you can say them into your, your iPad or your Apple Watch or your phone and you get the same results or your HomePod if you had it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that is that is really cool. Yeah. So that that's uh is that your number one iOS twelve? Yeah, I think so. Update. The me emojis are pretty cool, but you know, those things are kinda like um it's kinda like a little, little treat that you try out and then Yeah. You're like, well, you know, I may never use those again. But you might. I might. <laughs> Uh, one thing that's really cool about them is, is when you're setting them up, they're not gendered. So it's not like you choose male or female. It's just like, okay, you, you pick a face and then you pick eyes and hair and mouth shape and skin tones and hair color. And so you get really in depth in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like and Skyrim. It, yeah. Well, <laughs> almost, almost, um, Better graphics, that's for sure. Oh yeah. But I I do like the approach and again I think it's it kind of builds upon the customization themes that seem to run throughout um iOS twelve. Yeah, it's I, kind think of, it's, that, I think that's nice. It's kind of refreshing coming from an iOS update. Um, and it's it's got it's gradually gotten more and more customizable over the years. Because uh, before, it, you kind of, I guess you didn't really have as much customization as you do now, right? No, and I feel like that's always been a ding against Apple. They're always right. very one size fits all. But I feel like they've learned that in ios people want to customize things and i don't think it's really in your face you know what i mean it's like you can you can dig in and you can customize but that's not for everybody yeah so i think by making it available to power users and um obfuscating it from non-power users that's really cool it's not all like roses though with ios i have run into a few things that i don't like and that's mostly on the ipad um they've changed the way that you initiate um the dock and application switching and i think it's just kind of confusing because you used to just like when you swipe up from the bottom the dock would come up and now you kind of have to know, you have to be more precise with it. So you just have to slide up just a little bit mm. to bring up the dock. And then if you slide up all the way, what it basically does is it closes down the application. Or, or it doesn't close it, it just sends it to the background. So basically what they did was they unified the gestures from iOS, or That's excuse me, from though. the iPhone 10 to the iPad. Well, that doesn't really make much sense to me. No. 
No, it doesn't. So I, I feel like you just have to be far more precise than you used to be. And so that's taken a little bit of getting used to, especially because I do a lot of work on iOS. So and I'm and I'm always flipping back and forth between like mail and Slack or mail and Excel or you know, just various things that I'm working on and it's yeah. changed my workflow a little bit. I think ultimately those changes were made though, because I'm pretty sure we'll have a new iPad announced in the fall and with that uh, it'll probably have Face ID. So right. I'm thinking they're kind of getting rid of the home button and phasing out those physical buttons, and it's going to be uh, much more iPhone 10-like. talked about a lot about ios 12 but i really want to get to the main news of the week and that is microsoft has released the surface go did you see this yeah um it's a smaller cheaper kind of not a uh, laptop but it's uh i don't know i, I don't really i'm i was reading the article that you sent me and I couldn't really figure out, like, who's who is it for? Yeah, I've had that question as well. But I'm intrigued by it for a couple of reasons. Um, you know how on the Apple side, the one that we care about the most, what they really did was they they took the iPhone OS and they kind of blew it up for their tablet, right? They made that larger. They made it bigger, and they've added a lot of nice, neat features that make it more, um, you know, work-friendly. And you're saying this well, is the opposite of that? Yeah, and I'm saying it's the opposite of that because Microsoft's approach is let's take Windows and then let's scale it down to essentially, like the Surface Go is um, it's a 10-inch tablet. It's $399. Um, and it's basically the size of an iPad, but the way Microsoft approached it is from the, their desktop operating side. So if, if Apple had done that, for instance, they would have taken Mac OS and scaled it down to the iPad. Right. And I think when you come at it from the other direction and it's built on, you know, like an x86 architecture, basically what you have is a tiny mini PC which kind of opens you up to a lot of software that's built for that architecture. Yeah. Cause Does it, that make it, it sense? wouldn't compete with, it wouldn't compete with tablets, but it's not really competing with like high end laptops either. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a, a part of the market that I'm sure uh, don't need an iPad and don't need a more powerful or more expensive computer. But um, but they still get full windows, you know. Yeah, and that may be good for for some people who don't need a full blown computer. Um, I'm not maybe exactly want sure. something more than a Chromebook, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and I'm not really sure who the market is, uh, for these devices, but you know, one of the thoughts I initially had is like, well, you could probably run full blown Photoshop on that. But then Photoshop, but then Adobe announced the other day that they were bringing, they're rebuilding Photoshop and there's going to be like almost complete parity between the desktop and the iOS version. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I always think that Microsoft is kind of a day late and a dollar short. And I'm just not sure who this is product is for, but I still think that it's a cool device. And there are a couple things that I have to do in windows at work. And if I could do those on that, I would much rather do it. Right. I mean, the surface but, line is, is pretty solid from what yeah. they've offered. Yeah. I do think that they're well-designed. Um, but what do you think about Microsoft as a hardware manufacturer and how that relates to its partners? That's an interesting uh, question because I, I, once they started making these Surface laptops and um, pretty much all of the Surface line after the mobile department um, kind of crashed, they started over. They started fresh with this, and I think they started on the right foot because everything has clean lines. It's uh, it looks great and you know they they really do run well. I, I I don't know anyone that's used one that can speak any, um, anything bad about them. So I think it's good that they're finding some kind of hardware success after their mobile side didn't really. I mean I I really th- thought they they did a good job with um with mobile, but it just didn't it just didn't pan out for them. Um, no, it didn't. I think that they were just always a little bit late and the software was not there. Like, not right. their software, but the third-party software was just right. not there. Well, I, I kind of teased it, but that's that's really not the main topic this week. <laughs> the Surface Go is cool, but I mean, I think a, I think a, a new non-iPad tablet is kind of a dime a dozen. And ultimately, yeah, you know. It's probably not something that we would focus on here. I think what we would focus on on this pod is um, high-end Macintosh computers. And so, you know, in what's typically the slow summertime, Apple decided to finally update their MacBook Pros. Finally. And really update them this time. The reason why I got my iMac is because I could put a lot more RAM in it than I could a um, a laptop, and um, well, mainly because the screen size was nice, but I can always get a monitor, I guess. But it the it it just wasn't the laptops that they were making just weren't powerful enough, I guess, compared to what I could get in an iMac, and um, these new ones. Can you? Can, I mean, it's expensive, but you can really um, flesh them out. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about what they updated. So, they updated essentially not all the MacBook Pro line. What they updated was the Touch Bar versions. So, there's still, you know, the MacBook. Uh, there's one term that's used on the internet for that, which is the MacBook Escape, meaning it, that it doesn't have the Touch Bar and there's still an Escape key, right? Yeah. So that one didn't get an update. But what they did update was 
the MacBook, the 13 inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar and the 15 inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. And along with that, basically in the 13 inch, you can now get a quad core processor, which is awesome. I, yep. I don't think you've ever, you've never been able to get uh, a 13 inch with a quad core processor. You can get hexacore or six core processors in the 15 inch. And their um, and their i nines, which is crazy. Yeah, talk about new. Yeah, and and um, it's really unique. And I I was listening to a podcast called uh, ATP or the Accidental Tech Podcast, and they were saying, you know, this upgrade is really special because it's not often that you get more cores on a laptop. You know what I mean? True. Yeah, and that's what caught my eye. Yeah, because if you're doing like a lot of a lot of heavy lifting or, you know, when you're a pro, a lot of the software that you use is optimized to take advantage of of multi-core processor architectures. So having that power in, uh, you know, a thin and light form factor is is really awesome. Yeah, and I think it, you can get up to four a four gigabyte video card, which uh, I'm not sure. Could you do that in previous MacBook versions? Um, I think so. I think so. Um, I I think they could have probably done more with the with the graphics. So the 13 inch has the Intel Iris Plus graphics, and the 15 inch has the 655. But also, you can. I think they also have discrete graphics as well on all of the 15 inch but i could be wrong about that no excuse me the the 655 and the 640 those integrated intel graphics those are both available on the 13 inch on the 15 inch they have the radeon pro 555x with four gigs of uh, gddr5 and then the intel uhd graphics 630 and that's the baseline and then on the top of the line, you can get the Radeon Pro 560 with uh, the Intel UHD graphics 630. So way more graphics horsepower for sure. Yeah. In a portable form factor. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things and a lot of complaints around, you know, when they first introduced the Touch Bar Max was you couldn't get that 32 gigs of RAM and, and the pros want that kind of RAM. So what do you think about true tone displays on a pro computer? Well, so for me, I, I don't have a laptop. Um, so it's really not that important to me because my computer is always in the same lighting. Um, but if I was on a laptop on a MacBook Pro, um, I think that would be a lot more important to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. Like if you're just, doing day-to-day work but i feel like a lot of the pros that are like doing color correcting in video and photos and stuff i don't think that you would want a true tone display so it's kind of like a super premium nice feature to have but ultimately i think the market for these laptops is like no you just need to show me exactly what i'm working on how it's going to look on you know any display so i can actually do this correctly you know what i mean yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's difficult to to do that on any screen, to have it, um, you know, ex- exactly replicate 
the colors that's being presented. Um, at work, I have a monitor that uh, is specifically designed to show like the what colors are um, what they're supposed to look like, and like both of my computer monitors are completely different. And uh, it looks different on my phone too when I when I look when I watch whatever video I made. So it's yep. it's kind of just relative, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They also significantly increase the amount of storage that you can get, and and I think uh, you know it goes up to four terabytes. And I, I can't remember if you actually configure it with the four terabyte drive. I think it's a. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, how, 30, what's the top it? of the line? Yep. So, if you were to, like if you max it out, yep. So if you go with the six core i nine and right. thirty two gigabytes of RAM, that's that's seven hundred dollars extra right oh, there. Gotta gotta do it. Gotta get it. Yep. So those two things you pretty much have to get right. Yeah. But but then if you go to the four terabyte SSD, it's a thirty two hundred dollar upgrade. No problem. No problem. So. <laughs> so right there you're looking at sixty six ninety nine. Nice. That is a hell of a laptop. Yeah, that's like uh twice as much as uh as it would be if I was trying to uh, max it out, I guess. I, I would yeah. I would do all of that except I would probably just get the one terabyte. Yeah. Yeah, if you Which if is you like switch- half the the price. <laughs> If you switch it from the four terabyte to one terabyte, it's uh, it's a uh, twenty eight hundred dollars cheaper. <laughs> but why why makes... why is that so much more expensive? Um, so the type of memory that they're using is super fast and super expensive. So I think it's just. What you're dealing with there is just like the top of the line memory, and I, I've I've seen some benchmarks, and it's just like thousands of times faster. So you're you're really paying for the, the speed of the drive. Yeah, yeah, I think, and the in you know a larger amount of that, I guess. Yeah, and I think that in combination with the, they made a special memory controller so that they could do the 32 gigabytes of ram it's so this generation it's kind of they're kind of building around intel and trying to optimize this because their whole thing why they didn't do the 32 gigs on the front end was because it it drained the battery too much so i think they made a special controller and increased the battery size just to accommodate the uh 32 gigs of ram i don't think that i'm gonna buy one of these because they're like as much as a, a Honda. Yeah, I was about to say as much as a car. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really glad that they are being made, and I think that I think that Apple is really, really drawing a line in the sand between their consumer laptops and their pro laptops, right? Yeah. So I'm really ready for them to update their other laptops, like the MacBook and the uh, and the MacBook Escape. Um, and what are they going to do with the air? Is the air even, even going to be around <laughs> I anymore? Uh, I honestly don't think so. I, I think with these upgrades, they're making it very clear that like, if you need a pro laptop, you really, you really should think about it because it's really expensive because of all the hardware that they put in there. Right. Um, one thing that's new 
it also is the uh the keyboard apparently is new and yes. i think one complaint that was uh, that i was reading i mean i don't know because i don't have a, a macbook but that sometimes the keys would stick if dust got uh underneath them or, or yep. whatever got underneath them and apparently that is still the case on the new keyboard and you have if something goes wrong with with uh like a key or something then I, I think it's i think what i read was that you have to replace the whole keyboard yeah well two things have happened right so it, it it's a bigger deal than just getting dust it's if you get one speck of dust under these switches then they fail right and 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 it's not to be clear, this is not on the 2018 because we don't really know how these new laptops are, right. are yeah, going to yeah. hold up. But with the 2016s and 2017s, um, and there's been a few different articles written, and I'll put a, a couple of those in the show notes, people would get like a speck of dust under a key and it would stick or it would stop working. And the repairs were like $700 or something because you were having to replace like part of the motherboard or all the motherboard in some cases just to get these things replaced. Yeah. So very quietly, a couple Friday afternoons ago, Apple uh, did an extended warranty program for the 2016 and 2017s. So basically if you have any failure with your keyboard, that's not, you know, uh, you spilling, uh, liquid into your keyboard or something like that then they'll replace it for free um they haven't added the 2018 yet to that and that's probably because they they're like well if you buy this now you're covered under the one-year warranty anyway and let's kind of see what the numbers are but so i fix it tore down the 2018 macbook pro and they found these little like keyboard condoms maybe <laughs> let's go with that they're just like little little pieces of plastic that cover the edges of the switch, which make it harder for dust to get in and uh, actually be inside the mechanism. Gotcha. And also it may have something to do with dampening the sound because I, I don't know if you've ever used those computers well, at all. Have you, um, have from you tried what one I, out? Yeah. But also from a, a video that I watched that in the review, it said that uh, it's twice as quiet as the previous version of the MacBook Pro keyboard yeah i've tested them out in the apple store a little bit and they are loud as hell i mean it 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 doesn't really bother me but i think it may be that you don't have to press on them as hard but people don't get as much feedback from the keys because there's less travel so i think i think when you take all those things together it makes people hit the keys really hard and (laughs) that's what makes it loud like animals yeah yeah um, I've never really spent any time using those keyboards. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, I've got the, the 2015 13 inch MacBook pro and it's like my favorite keyboard in the world. And I'm going to be sad when I have a computer that doesn't have it, doesn't have these switches, but I'm glad they're making progress. And I guess, you know, we ultimately won't know if they've resolved the long-term reliability issues of this keyboard for another year. So, you know, that in combination with the fact that my personal uh, laptop is still doing everything that I need to do 
kind of makes me want to wait for the kind of next case redesign and maybe even the second version of that, which I'm hoping is like 2020 because then I would have gotten, you know, four and a half years out of this computer. Yeah. Let's talk about headphones. Yes. I think we have and, a few headphone uh, things in here. Yes, we do. And one that uh, that you found that I'm really excited about is the wireless switch headphone adapter. Yes. So for the Nintendo Switch, for those of you that don't know, Nintendo decided to put a wired headphone jack on the top of the console mm-hmm. when it goes into a dock, which could have also had... I don't know, a three and a half millimeter port going that. I mean, you don't really need it with USB-C, but you could have put the headphone jack on the bottom so that you don't have a a cord flapping around on your screen like an animal. (laughs) Yeah. And then to kind of put a little more salt in the wound, there's no Bluetooth audio. So, you know, we can have these fancy AirPods, but we can't use them. I know. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. It's the worst. So a couple companies, including, um, including one called human things, I believe is the name of the company. They are doing a Kickstarter for a, a, something called GNKI, uh, which is a Bluetooth, audio adapter that plugs into the usb port for the switch and i don't know about you but this is what i want more than any other accessory for the switch yeah absolutely if i could use my airpods and i have to plug in my uh either my old disgusting wired uh apple earbuds or my ginormous uh headphones that would be yeah, nice like yeah, like I'm not I'm not happy for these people that are in these pictures that are using their AirPods. I'm just like jealous. Yeah, because uh, so, I I like to use my AirPods for most most things, just on the move, you know. Yep. So let's see. Currently, right now, if you back it for let's see, for fifty nine dollars, you can get a Bluetooth adapter or. I think me and you should do this. I think we should do the family pack for $88. And then we get two of these things. Nintendo should really just turn on the... Uh, I mean, it, the the freaking thing has Bluetooth. These adapters should not be necessary. You should just be able to pair Bluetooth headphones with your Switch. Come yeah, on, Nintendo. I, I don't know what they were thinking either. I mean, the only thing I can think of is there was some issue with interference with using the Joy-Cons. I'm not sure. Or, or, yeah, but let's think about it. The Nintendo. What they wanted to do was sell you an adapter that you put a 9-volt battery in that allowed you to pair <laughs> your, 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 your wireless earbuds with their hardware. Sounds about right. Okay. So tell me about these headphones that you have in here, these, these, uh, these graphene. And, and I guess talk, 
talk me through what graphene is and what applications uh, will it be used for in the future? Well, so I was, um, it was Prime Day the other day, and I saw an article about these uh, these headphones that were going to be on sale for Prime Day, and said it was the first graphene Bluetooth headphones. I checked them out, and they looked pretty cool, and I wasn't sure what graphene was, so I looked into it more, and um, I found this article on Digital Trends, and it says, graphene is a highly conductive, flexible, and strong material made of lattice carbon atoms bonded in hexagonal pattern. Um, it says scientists theorized its structure in the 40s, but didn't manage to isolate a layer until 2004. Um, and it's been used in new ways as an amazing conductor of electricity. But um, it's also used for uh, detecting cancer, filtering water, heating your home. Um, and it's just a more durable, lighter, better, um, conductor. Um, but it's used in the, the drivers for the, um, for the headphones. And so since they're lighter, uh, they will be able to move easier. And so they'll, they'll use less, um, power for the, um, um, cause when you, you listen to the headphones, they, um, they're working pretty hard. So if it, you have something that's durable, it's going to last longer. If it's lighter, more flexible, then it's going to it's gonna produce a better sound, I think. And then apparently that's what it does. Are they replacing magnets, or, or what is it replacing? Because uh, I, I don't think I have a good grasp on how, what the application is in headphones. So if you look at the, if you look at the pictures side by side, it's so much thinner. And I think this kind of goes into the fact that graphene is essentially the, the about the thickness of one atom at its like base structure. So because it's so thin and it's like a, a essentially two D material, it is able to transfer electricity in between its circuits yeah. a lot quicker. So I mean, it could have applications in batteries. I know that. For years, we've been hearing that graphene batteries were on the horizon, and it sounds like it could re- replace a lot of heavy metals and a lot of different equipment. Yeah, I mean, it, the big thing is it's really expensive. And it's like leveraging like nanotechnology because it's so thin, right? So so be, because of that, I think it's just, yeah, I think it will definitely decrease the overall power consumption. So it'll be more power efficient and also... Uh, it may sound better because of that. But yeah, I, I didn't really know much about graphene before I started looking into it after I saw those headphones, but I, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I never really knew that it had a, uh, applications outside of the battery realm, but it sounds like um, it's essentially like just a new, a new approach to material science. Yeah. Which is cool, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I bet this is how we were talking about aluminum and lithium, and you know, throughout throughout time. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't really, I didn't think of it that way. Well, and, and I think that you could also marry like graphene nanotechnology along with um, maybe quantum computing could be could come into play too because it's so small 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's just further down the scale to uh, increased miniaturization, which is awesome. Like that Matt Damon movie. (laughs) Did you see that movie? (laughs) I never saw that. No. No, which Um, one? I forgot what it's called, but he's him and his wife are... It's basically, honey, I shrunk the kids on purpose. <laughs> oh, oh, that, wait, like they, wait, wait, wait. it's called. And they, uh, set, they like end up having like millions of dollars because the money they do have goes a lot longer. It's called downsizing, downsizing. Yeah. because all their they yeah. they eat fractions of the amount of food that they normally would and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so you could like like at scale when you buy like you know. Uh, airplane bottle of vodka that goes that's a like long a way when you're tiny. Yeah, that's like a lifetime supply. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm extremely intrigued about graphene and, and I want new battery technology and anything that takes us on that continuum to longer battery life, I'm totally down yeah. for it.